Thank you for joining us at our Father's House in Pineville, Kentucky. Today's message is from the 2017 Encounter Youth Conference. Let's listen in with guest speaker Robert Madu from Dallas, Texas. Oh, come on, don't be afraid to talk to your neighbor in church. This is a friendly church. Come on, say neighbor. I've got a feeling that tonight is going to be a good night. Come on, just in case that neighbor was stuck up and didn't want to talk to you, find another neighbor. Come on, find another neighbor. Come on, say, other neighbor. I'm telling you, I got a feeling that tonight is going to be a good night. Come on, if you believe it, give God one more hand clap of praise. You may be seated. Anybody glad to be in the house of God tonight? I'm telling you, if you didn't come in here expecting God to do something, you were absolutely cray-cray and have lost your mind because uh, the atmosphere, how many know, has already been set. Uh, just from the moment worship began, you could just sense that God is doing something significant. God is doing something special in this place and in this space. And uh, first of all, can we just thank God for the amazing worship team that led us to the presence of God? Weren't they absolutely amazing? Come on, y'all could do better than that, man. While you're clapping, help me thank God for the young lady who did that incredible anointed dance. Come on, you are awesome. Absolutely amazing. There's nothing too dirty that our God can't make worthy. What a powerful, powerful truth. And then royalty, come on somebody. Y'all are absolutely off the chain. It just, it just makes it amazing and easy as a preacher when the atmosphere has already been set. So I am uh, beyond honored to be here. Uh, it's just good to have my chocolate face in the place. We're going to have fun here tonight. I'm believing that, that tonight is just the first of three powerful days that God is just going to revolutionize and change our life. I thank God for this church. I want to thank God for your senior pastor because, uh, come on, everything rises and falls on leadership. Come on, help me thank God for Pastor Carol. Come on, y'all can do better than that. Help me thank God for your leader. Come on, for your pastor. Come on, can you let them know how much you love them, how much you appreciate them? Man, thank God for you, sir. I, uh, I've been traveling for the last 14 years around the world. It's amazing how uh, some people want to do church usual but when you have a pastor who's going to set three days aside to allow God to show up uh, it is indicative of the fact you're an amazing leader that has a heart to see people uh, really get to the throne room of God so I thank God for you it's my honor to be here why are you uh, giving honor can we thank God for my white chocolate brother from another mother uh, we go way back like way back way back me and pastor Justin go back to like um, 15 minutes ago uh, <laughs> we just met tonight but uh, I'm telling you you can sense a person's spirit when you encounter them and, um, and it's evident that you have such a heart for God and for this generation help me thank God for Pastor Justin man, honor you thank God for you come on let's thank God for him amen you're the man bro appreciate you Hey, it, it is good. I, I, I am from the great country of Texas, uh, as it was said, but it's good to be in Pineville, Kentucky. Uh, I've been in a lot of places, but this is my first time preaching here. So, uh, man, I already feel like I'm family. I don't know if it's the KFC uh, offering buckets. <laughs> do y'all always do that or is that just for me tonight? But uh, I feel like I'm at home tonight. And uh, I'm believing this is just going to be awesome. I want to jump straight to the word of God. I hope you really came with expectation for God to speak to you. Uh, he's put a word on my heart that I really is gonna believe is going to set us up for these next three days. I want to go to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. And I want to look at verses 1 through 12. Mark chapter 2, starting at verse number 1. And we'll land at verse number 12. Why are you looking for it? How many of you have never heard me preach before? That's everybody. Uh, quick, uh, <laughs> quick disclaimer. Um, I am what you call a hollaback preacher. 
Um, but basically, that means it is illegal for you to sit there over these next uh, five to six hours uh, <laughs> that we have tonight and just kind of sit there and look at me like, mm, yeah, that's interesting. No, if anything I'm saying tonight is resonating with you or you feeling it, you can say amen. You can say preach that. You can say mm, that was good. Uh, you can literally stand up in the middle and go, that was for me. <laughs> you can also stand up in the middle and go, oh, that was for you. For real, you needed that. And who else to work? But just don't get quiet on me because how many you know a quiet church is a dead church? And uh, you are not dead. You are alive tonight. Mark chapter 2, starting at verse number 1. And it says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. And so many gathered that there was no room left not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law, aka the haters, were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Can you say amen? Come on, how many know that is good all by itself? Uh, today, I want, I want to preach, just using this as a title, I got more than what I came for. I got more than what I came for. And I really hope that it's not just the title of this message, but really the attitude and the disposition of your heart for this entire week, that you would come in here inspecting that you're going to get more than what you came for. Before we really delve into this, we're going to pray in a moment, but let me perhaps just kind of set the trajectory of where we're going. Uh, this text came to mind when I saw this article about this guy who was in a lot of pain and he went to go see his doctor and the doctor said, sir, what's wrong? The man said, absolutely everything. The doctor goes, what do you mean everything? He said, doc, every place in my body that I touch, as soon as I touch it, I kill over in excruciating pain. The doctor said, every place? He said, yeah, every place. Doctor said, okay touch your elbow. The man touched his elbow. Ah! He said, wow. He said, touch your knee. He touched his knee. Ah! He said, wow. He said, touch your hair. He touched his hair. Ah! The doctor said, dummy, you got a dislocated finger. <laughs> Sometimes Sometimes in life, hear me, you can think there's something wrong with everything. When in actuality, there's just something wrong with one thing. And if you get the one thing in order, I feel like preaching tonight. Everything else will take care of itself. Tonight, I want to talk about that one thing. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray. Let's ask God to speak to us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this encounter conference. God, I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice, young and old. Nobody here tonight is here by accident. They are here by your divine providence. Speak to us tonight and let us leave different than the way that we came. And somebody who loves Jesus, say amen. Amen. Say amen again. How many would say, just by a showing of hands, that you were raised in church. Can I see your hand if you were raised in church? Woo, that's almost everybody. Come on, keep it lifted. Raised in church? Uh, I just need to see who needs the counseling. Uh, no, I'm playing. I'm playing. Uh, I, I'll lift up my hand with you, and I too will let you know that I was raised in church. And if you lifted up your hand, then you are acutely aware of the fact 
that the life of a church kid is distinctly different than the life of a regular kid. Oh, come on, somebody. There are trials and tribulations and situations that you go through as a church kid that other kids aren't even aware of. Aren't even aware. I know this too well because growing up in our household in Dallas, Texas, we had to be in church. Okay. Every day the doors were open, had to be in church. It was not a democracy. It was a dictatorship. Okay. In fact, I vividly remember one time as a kid, I told my father, I told my father, I told my Nigerian father. Okay. We got some nations here tonight. I told my Nigerian father, I said, I'm not going this Sunday. I don't feel like it. I told my Nigerian father that. And do you know what my Nigerian father said to me? He said, let me tell you something, boy. No, no, no. Let me tell you something. You have two options, huh? You can get out of that bed and go to church or I can kill you. And we will go to church and have your funeral. But either way, you will be in church. Because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That is a true story. Um, um, Dinners, dinners, Pastor Justin. Dinners were different in our house. Dinners were different because you could not eat your food. You could not touch your meal without my mama hitting you with this question. What's your favorite scripture? Before you could eat your food, you had to give a scripture. Before you could touch the plate, you had to give a scripture. You don't know hunger until your mind is racing through the Bible. Just trying to find a scripture so you can eat your food. I remember one dinner being so hungry and exasperated with my mama. I looked at her and said, Jesus wept. Give me the chicken. Why are you playing with people's food? It's just the environment. The environment that I grew up in. And uh, to be honest, Father's House Church, I'm, I'm glad that's the environment that I grew up in. Because it has produced something in me. It has produced an insatiable desire for the word of God. I am obsessed with the word of God. The word of God is the hinge upon which my faith has its mobility. The word of God is the irreducible substantive essence of what it means to know who your God is. To those of you who think that book you're holding is some boring antiquated book that doesn't really relate to your life, you have lost your mind. That is the only book that's still alive. It is the only book that's still breathing. It is the only book that has power. It is. It is the only book that was written in antiquity, but yet it can speak to the specificity of your life. There is nothing like the word of God. Oh, hear me, young people. Other books you can read, Harry Potter, other books you can read, but the Bible is different because the Bible will read you. It will show you who you are and and whose you are. I, I love the word of God. It is like steroids for my spirit. It's Red Bull for my faith. And although I love the entire Bible, I have to be honest, I do have a favorite section. I do have a favorite literary genre, and that is the Gospels. The Gospels are my favorite. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just give me those four and no more. In fact, I've spent so much time studying the Gospels, I feel like they're close personal friends of mine. I call them Matt, Marky Mark, Uncle Luke, and Little John. I love the Gospels because it's in the Gospels that we get to see the ministry of Jesus Christ himself. I can see how he walked, how he talked, how he moved, how he handled situations. One scholar said that the Gospels are Christology in narrative form. That's just a fancy way to say that the Gospels are the closest thing that we have of a biography of the greatest man who ever walked the face of this earth and his name is Jesus. I I love the Gospels. Are y'all bored yet? Here's what I love. I love that these four gospel writers are all talking about the same Jesus, but they do it in totally different ways. Totally different. Almost like four film directors who've been given the same subject to film, but have each been given their own cinematic license to film it. Each one of them give us a different HD view of who Jesus really is. And that's why I'm glad Marky Mark is our director for today. See, if you like long, boring documentaries, you got to read the book of Matthew, okay? Because Matthew, he's writing primarily to a Jewish audience, so he begins the long and laborious process of letting you know that Jesus is the fulfillment of over 300 Old Testament prophecies that were given in a 1,500-year time span. Come on, anybody in here ever read Matthew chapter 1? Get you some coffee and espresso when you read it, okay? (laughs) Excitement level is right up there with the book of Leviticus, okay? (laughs) For the whole first chapter, we are just scripturally inundated with baby daddy after baby daddy after baby daddy. That's chapter one, okay? If, if, if you like sci-fi movies, sci-fi movies, read the book of Luke because Luke is a doctor. So Luke goes into detail to explain the miracles that Christ did and how his miracles could do what modern medicine could not do. Ooh, 
if you like those mushy, gushy, uh, romantic chick flicks and TV shows, this is us. Uh, that some of our wives force us husbands to see. Uh, you need to re- read the book of John, okay? If you like the movie Dear John, read John, okay? Because John, he's a disciple that's always laying his head on the chest of Jesus. and He's all about love and he's very existential. He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. But those of you who are like me, and you like some movies that have some action where things get blown up and people get beat up, come with your boy to the book of Mark. Mark is Jesus Christ in action. Mark is so gangster, he don't even have time for baby Jesus. No, for real, read the book of Mark. You will not find a manger in the book of Mark. This dude skips Christmas and goes straight to full-grown Jesus with hair on his chest, smelling like Old Spice. Mark is not playing games with you. Mark wants to let you know with clarity and precision that before there was a Russell Crowe in Gladiator, before there was a Mel Gibson in Braveheart, before there was a Denzel, my twin, hello, before there was any of them, please believe there was a King Jesus. And when he stepped in a situation, come on somebody, it came under his divine authority because he had all power in his hand. Come on, he wasn't just a good man, he was a God man. He was God in flesh walking among us. Like preaching tonight. The Bible says in Mark chapter 2, if I can come down here, y'all too far away from me. I like in Mark chapter 2, the Bible says that Jesus, he's been walking, he's been ministering, he's been picking up on his freaking walker miles, and uh, that's fun to me. And he gets to a certain house, a certain house. Historians actually believe it's Peter's house. He gets to a certain house, and the Bible says all Jesus does when he gets to this house is he sits down. To rest in the house. He just sits down to chillax in this house. And with the minutes of him sitting down to rest in the house, all of a sudden throughout the entire region, people start going, hey, come here. Hey, come here. Hey, you know Jesus in town, right? You know Jesus just showed up. Before you know it, the entire house is jam-packed with people. People start getting on Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and start putting the address on blast, saying, hey, you better get to this house. Jesus just showed up. And before you know it, the entire house is jam-packed with people. Simply because his presence sat down to rest in one house. People from different walks of life, people from different economic backgrounds, people in different grades in school, all converged in one place because his presence sat down to rest in one house. What is it about the presence of God coming to rest in a place that causes people to be drawn from everywhere? I'll tell you what it is. People instinctively know if you can ever get God's presence just to sit down and rest in a place. How many of you know something life-changing, something miraculous, something supernatural will happen if his presence just sits down to rest and it's like oh excuse me why are you here tonight hello come on you could be at home right now you could be asleep right now you could be watching dancing with the stars right now why in the world would you come into church on a weekday with all the stuff you got to do you didn't come just to hear the worship team as good as they are you didn't come to hear me preach you don't even know who i am i think i know why you came tonight you came because you knew god's presence would be resting in this place and when god's presence shows up Oh, come on, somebody. Something is going to happen. Can we just take a praise break and just praise God like we want his presence to come sit down and rest in this place? Oh, come on. That's the best praise you got. Come on. You know when the praises go up, that's when the... your shoes I didn't come to see your outfit I came because I need something that I can only get in the presence of God allow me to use my imagination I can see them in this house I can see them I can see the sick in this house going if he touches me if I just touch his clothes I know I'm going to be made whole I can see it I can see it I can even see a mama in the house you know came with a kid who's not really paying attention she's like Boy, pay attention. Jesus in the house. He's going to tell you something. That's why you get in trouble in school. Because you don't listen to nobody. Listen to Jesus. He's going to change your life. I can see it. I can see it. I can even see, ooh, because I'm crazy. I can even see some ladies in the house. Some ladies in the house. Because how many know Jesus was single and in the ministry? Come on, somebody. Single people, you're going to be all right. Jesus made it. You're going to make it. But, but because he was single, I can even see some ladies in the house talking about, girl, Girl, yes, sure, it's fine. You see that hair? Mm-hmm. Look at that. I heard last week at a wedding, he turned water into wine. 
Yes, he did. Don't let him ask me out on a date. I'm ordering water. I mean, I can't see them. <laughs> and they're all waiting in this house. And they're waiting with tiptoe anticipation to perhaps see what Jesus was going to do. They should have been waiting to hear what he was going to say. The Bible says all Jesus does in this packed house, all Jesus does is he stands up. Packed house. He clears his holy throat. The Bible says that Jesus preaches the word to them. That's all he did. He preached the word. I might not get you excited, but that gets me excited. Because I love to hear people preach the word of God. See, something powerful happens whenever the word of God is preached. That's why you ought not miss a night this entire week. Because something powerful is going to happen tomorrow night when Josh preaches the word. And when Justin preaches the word. In fact, you ought to thank God you have a pastor that preaches the word of God. Come on, somebody. Because we're living in a new day in a new society. Don't think just, just because somebody is standing behind the pulpit because th- that they're preaching the word. Because we live in a culture where people are preaching their opinion. They're preaching pop psychology they're preaching political ideology and they wonder why there's no transformation in the people that they're preaching to because the only thing that can transform your soul is the infallible incorruptible everlasting unchanging word of god oh come on somebody there's power in the word not in cute stories but there is power in the word don't get me started on the word because I love to hear people preach the word. I don't even care your style of how you preach it. That's how mature I've gotten. If you're preaching the word, I am with you. I don't even care your style. I like calm preachers that preach the word and just kind of stay in one place and say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do it. I like calm preachers that preach the word. I like preachers that get real excited when they preach the word. They got veins popping out of their neck. Got a Hammond B3 organ behind them and sound like they have an asthma attack between each word. Come on, you know that preacher. They're like, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am I can do what it says I can do if it says I'm the head I'm the head if it says I'm above I'm above I'm so glad that God I mean I like those preachers too. <laughs> I preach like that at some churches but I want to scare some of y'all here in Kentucky um, anyway I love to hear people preach the word but how many know in my text today, this is no ordinary preacher. This is Jesus. This is the greatest preacher to ever preach. Do you know why I preached like I had six Red Bull today? Because I had six Red Bull today. No. <laughs> but you know why I preach with so much passion and so much exuberance? It's because I know when I get to heaven, nobody wants to hear what I have to say. Well, we don't want to hear any preachers when we get to heaven. Put your little podcast to the side. The only person we want to hear when we get to heaven is Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's the only one. I got to get all my preaching out now. You got to understand that like when I preach or when, when Pastor Josh preaches or Pastor Justin preaches or Pastor Carol preaches, you understand we just have a word. Jesus was the word. He was the word made flesh. That means if Jesus really wanted to preach a good sermon, this is all he had to say. And he still would have been preaching because he was the word made flesh. They're sitting in this packed room. They're trying to pay attention to Jesus' sermon. They really are. And what would have that been like to listen to the living word preaching the written word? They're trying to pay attention to his sermon, but in the middle of the sermon, they get distracted, like many of us do. And they say, wait a minute. (laughs) Is somebody on the roof? And they're trying to pay attention to Jesus' sermon, but before you know it, debris starts falling down in the middle of this house. And before you know it, a hole starts appearing in the roof. And a few hands and a few heads peer through the hole as a ray of sunlight comes through the room. Now understand, historians believe this is Peter's house. They put in the hole. In Peter's roof. Okay, let me explain to the disciples. If there's any disciple you don't want to put a hole in his roof, it's Peter, okay? Put a hole in John's roof, the one that's always laying on the chest of Jesus, because he'll just say, 
Now I can see the stars that my creator has made for me. Not Peter, okay? Peter's like some of y'all. You love Jesus, but don't let somebody cut you off on the highway, okay? Peter would cuss you out. Peter would cut you. So I can see this hole getting bigger and bigger. And Peter's like, man, what the? And Jesus is like, watch your mouth, Peter. Watch your mouth. Come on, we talked about this, okay? I'm the son of God. I'll make you a new roof. It's going to be all right. And all of a sudden... They start lowering this man down, 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 all the way at the feet of Jesus. The Bible doesn't tell us this man's name. The Bible doesn't even do us the courtesy of letting us know when his paralysis occurred. All the Bible tells us is that he is a paralyzed man. Why is that important? It's important because if you study the Gospels, one of the things that you will find is that anytime Jesus interacts with a person, rarely do we get their name. More often than not, we just get their gender and their condition. Have you ever noticed this? There was a woman with an issue of blood. What was her name? We don't know. There was a man who was blind. There was a man who was deaf. There was a man with a withered hand. We just get their gender and their condition. And do you know what it speaks to? I think it speaks to the human tendency to identify people by their issues. Oh, yes, we do it today, especially church people. Church people love to label individuals by their issues and think the sum total of their life is one mistake that they made. Christians are the only people that will call you something for 15 years that you did one time in your past in five minutes and think the sum total of your life is some mistake that you made. But I got some good news from heaven for somebody in this place today. How many are thankful that if you are in Christ, you are a brand new creature? Come on, somebody, your past has been washed away behold all things have become brand new i am not defined by my dysfunction i am more than my mistakes come on my issue is not my identity because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world oh that was for somebody in this place today you ought to give god some praise and thank him that he has made all things new Some of you need to shake off the comments and the negative words from other people because they keep bringing up your past and bringing up your mistakes and they keep tweeting about it and texting about it and talking about it. You need to look at them and say, you know what? You know a whole lot about my history, but you don't know anything about my destiny. God has greater in front of me than the mistakes of my past. Hallelujah. That's good news. That's good news to know that my issue doesn't have to be my identity. That I am more than my mistakes because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Here they are. They called him a paralytic man. And watch this. He's in God's presence, but he's got a paralysis. He made it to God's presence, but he's still got his paralysis. I know you can't say anything here tonight because you got to act real spiritual because it's church like you floated in the room and you had manna for breakfast. But if we could be real tonight, you would be shocked at the people in this room. Who are in God's presence, but you got a paralysis. Talking about the thing that affects your walk with the Lord. Talking about the thing that you cry out to God, maybe in a secret place and say, God, if I didn't have this, my walk with you would be a whole lot better. Maybe you feel like that man tonight. You feel like giving up. You feel like throwing in the towel. You feel like quitting. But God sent this screaming, shouting, sweating, chocolate brother from Dallas, Texas to Kentucky to tell you, you can't give up. You can't give up. You can't give up because God has a way of positioning you at the right place at the right time to hear the right word at the right moment so you can get up and walk in all that he has for you. Thank God for these four friends. Ooh, come on, somebody. Talk about some people you want in your life. I want friends like this. That's why you got to be careful. Hear me, young people, who you connect yourself with. <laughs> show me your friends. I will show you your future. I will show you your destiny. I thank God for these four friends. These are the friends that I want in my life. I want tear the roof off friends. I don't want friends to see me on the ground and say, you know what? The ground is really not that bad. In fact, Target has some more match. You want me to go get you another? No. Give me some tear the roof off friends who say, you know what? I might not know what to do about the situation, but I will do whatever it takes to get you into the presence of the one that can. No, you can't stay here. No, you can't date him. No, you can't go to that party. God has more for you. No, you gotta get up. Jesus gonna meet with you today. Come on, somebody get his arms. I'm gonna get his legs. I will tear the roof off for you to get a breakthrough because I believe in your future. This man 
would have never gotten a breakthrough if it wasn't for the nerve and the audacity of these four friends who tore the roof off. It came through the roof. And how many know, when somebody comes through a roof, you should probably shut that sermon down, okay? This is a huge interruption, and the crowd is taken back that somebody's just come through the roof. But the crowd is also excited because this is what they paid their ticket to see. I mean, come on, it's already been rumored throughout the region that Jesus has supernatural power. So as soon as the dude hits the floor, I can see the crowd going, oh, it's about to go down. I'm telling you, y'all, Jesus has power. I don't know if he's going to take mud and rub it on his legs. I don't know what he's going to do, but it's going to be good. You better get your camera and put this on YouTube. And the man, the man who had to be embarrassed, who had to be embarrassed to be lowered in the presence of all these people, but all of a sudden his embarrassment is eradicated with a feeling of joy and elation because he knows for the first time in his life he's going to be able to stand on his own two feet. For the first time in his life he's going to be able to go for a run. For the first time in his life when he's at a wedding and they do the cha-cha slide and they say one hop this time, he's going to be able to do it. While the crowd is waiting to see a miracle and the man is waiting to dance, Jesus, who has the power to heal him, the first thing he says, first thing he says is, son, your sins are forgiven. What? (laughs) Okay, out of spiritual people in the room, you identified yourself. Because as soon as I said that, you went, oh, glory to God. Yes, sin, that is the problem. (laughs) But I know how you read the Bible. Here's how I read the Bible. When I read the Bible, I jump in the page of the Bible, okay? I imagine what it would be like to be that particular individual. And that lets me know I would have gotten kicked out of the Bible, okay? (laughs) Right around Genesis chapter 1. Because whenever I am frustrated, whenever I am frustrated, I have the tendency to be a little bit sarcastic, just a little bit sardonic. Y'all pray for me. I'm still a process. So if that's me, if that's me, and I've just been carried through a crowd up the side of a house... A hole has been cut in a roof. Construction has happened for me to get in the presence of a man that everybody's saying is going to heal me and everybody's saying is going to make me walk again. And the first thing, the first thing he says is, son, your sins are forgiven. I'm going, oh, appreciate it, Jesus. You know, that's why we came all the way down here to get my sins forgiven. Yeah, that's the real obvious apparent issue to get my sins forgiven. Yeah, I don't need these legs hooked. I don't want to walk. I came all the way down here to get my sins forgiven. Hey guys, sins forgiven. Mission accomplished. Let's go home. Like, what is Jesus talking about? People, you got to read your Bible. It is funny stuff in your Bible. Jesus seems to be the only ignoramus in the room. Who doesn't realize this man did not come to get his sins forgiven? Hello, he wants to do the moonwalk. (laughs) But hear me, anytime Jesus appears to be acting ignorant in scripture, you got to pay close attention. He's about to give you incredible insight. Let me say it more eloquently. Uh, There is a profundity in the alleged stupidity of Christ. (laughs) That was good. Because this man didn't even realize, and I'm almost done. This man didn't even realize, hear me church, that he was in the exact place, posture, and position that God often reveals himself to us. Hear me church, there is a place that is frustrating, that is annoying, but it is often the place that God reveals himself to us. And that place is this. Whenever your experience doesn't line up with your expectation, God is trying to give you a revelation of who he is. Hear me. Whenever your experience doesn't line up with your expectation, God is trying to give you a revelation of who he is. Because rarely is Jesus recognized. He is more often revealed. And he reveals himself at the place where our experiences don't line up with our expectations. Come on, have you ever been there before? Where your experience didn't line up with your expectation, but you look back over your life and say, whoo, it was good that that happened. It was good that I didn't get that job. It was good that they said no when I asked them out. I see where they are today. God, thank you for closing that door. Whenever your experience doesn't line up with your expectation, God is trying to give you a revelation of who he is. Are you bored yet? 
Can I give you one of my favorite scriptures where we see this? John chapter 6. John chapter 6. It's all throughout the Bible. I can give you so many examples of where people's experience didn't line up with their expectation. And it was just a setup for God to reveal himself to them. Can I give you one of my favorites? Remember John chapter 6? We're introduced to a family. I believe Jeff 6 we're introduced to a family. Remember Mary and Martha? Remember Mary and Martha? Remember the brother Lazarus? Remember the brother Lazarus got sick just out of the blue? He just starts coughing. <coughs> I think I got the black lung and they don't trip about it at first because it's not that bad but all of a sudden Lazarus can't get out of the bed anymore and it gets worse and worse and I think I think Mary she was a little poor she was actually Martha was a little poor she kept together but Mary's having a panic attack she's like oh, what are we going to this is the only brother that we have it's not getting better it's getting worse and Martha's like girl stop that crying stop that crying okay let me ask you something when Jesus comes into town whose house does he stay at stays in our house. Girl, that means this whole house is covered in the presence of the Lord. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. As a matter of fact, give my cell phone. Give my cell phone. Come on, y'all know the story. Takes a cell phone, sends a text message to Jesus. Says, hey Jesus, the one you love doesn't even say his name. He knows who I'm talking about. The one you love is sick. You're Jesus. Do what you do. Send. Jesus is on the other side of town preaching the gospel. As he's preaching the gospel, cell phone text message noise goes off. Ding, ding. He's like, what I tell y'all about cell phones while I'm preaching? <laughs> Disciples are like, Jesus, that's you. He's like, oh, my bad. Pulls out his cell phone, sees the text message from Martha, says, the one you love is sick. You're Jesus, do what you do. He immediately responds. He says, do not worry. This cyclone, this sickness Predictive text will mess you up. This sickness will not end in death. Sends it back to Martha. Martha gets the text. Oh, girl, look who just texted me. Jesus. Look at what he said. He said this sickness will not end in death. I told you he's an on time God. Yes, he. I mean, they start having church. I'm so sorry. That was so selfish as a communicator. Because that whole scenario really wasn't for you. It was for me. Because it was so funny to watch some of your faces go, I ain't never read this version before <laughs> in my life. Let me help you tonight in Kentucky. That is the NIV, okay? Negro International Version. That's a different translation. It's not in bookstores. <laughs> they start having church and dancing. Watch this. Off of a text message, but don't miss it. Right after they finish dancing, Lazarus dies. <laughs> and Jesus has the nerve and the audacity to not come to the funeral. He doesn't come to the graveside service. He walks in four days late, cool, calm, and collected. Talking about how y'all doing? Y'all good? Y'all good? Y'all good? <laughs> Mary and Martha are like, no, he didn't. They're like, Jesus, I will cut you. Oh, read it. They were so mad. They said, Jesus, if you would have been here, her brother wouldn't have died. Their experience didn't line up with their expectation. Hear me. I know we're laughing. They were expecting Jesus to come when he got sick, but he didn't. He waited till Lazarus was dead. And not just dead, four days dead. That's dead. <laughs> right when their experience didn't line up with their expectation, he goes to a graveyard, preaches a three-point sermon, and says, Lazarus, come forth. And they dead man comes out of the grave and thank God it was a three point sermon that day because y'all do know his word is so powerful if he would have just gone to a graveyard and said come forth every dead person in there would have been like hold on he's talking about me and it would have been a thriller video but I want to thank God he can get the right word to the right person at the right time so whatever is dead in your life come on somebody will come back to life again how many you know our God is the resurrection and the life you might have come here with a dead situation, but if that thing can meet Jesus, oh, come on, somebody, it will come back to life again. Come on, somebody, give God some praise in this place. Hallelujah. Can you see Mary and Martha taking the grave clothes off of their brother who was dead? Tell my girl, Jesus, off the chain. I thought, who you think? I thought, I thought he only had power to heal people when they were sick. But I didn't know he had power to raise people from the dead. And I would have never known that resurrection power was in him until my experience didn't line up with my expectation. I'm telling you, that situation you're complaining about, you could flip the script and start praising about it.
Because it's just a setup for God to reveal himself to you in a deeper way. Hear me, sometimes it's not until you get a bad doctor's report that you get a revelation that he really is a healer. Sometimes it's not until people betray you and people you thought you could trust stab you in the back that you really get a revelation that he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, that he will never leave you, he will never forsake you. Sometimes it's not until your money is funny and your change is strange and you got more bills than you got income that you get a revelation that he really is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. Because guess what? You still making it. You still surviving. Come on. How we, how your bank account going down, but your belly getting bigger because you're still eating three meals a day and he's still providing for you. I'm telling you that situation you're complaining about, you could praise about because God is using it to reveal himself to you. I'm going to ask the worship team to join me. What in the world could Jesus be revealing to this man? What could he be revealing to this man? Well, look at what he says. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. Only a savior can say that. Only a savior can say that. And in that moment, that man had to be thinking, Jesus, hello, my legs. Why did I come to you? You don't even know what my problem is. And Jesus is saying, no, you don't know what your problem is. You think your legs are the big issue, but they're not. Your legs are just the fruit of the issue. But sin is the root of the issue. And I cannot deal with the fruit of an issue until I first deal with the root of an issue. Because if I deal with the fruit and not the root, we will have a perpetual cycle of dysfunction And you will never walk in all that I have for you. This man didn't even realize, just like us, that if Jesus didn't say anything but your sins are forgiven and then walk out the room and leave him on the floor, how many know he still did a miracle? He still did a miracle. (laughs) Because you are better off being paralyzed and forgiven than to be walking in sin. Oh, come on, somebody. But how many are thankful that God can do both? He don't want you paralyzed with a promise, and he don't want you walking in sin. He wants you walking worthy of the call that is on your life, stepping into your future and into your purpose. So he says, son, your sins are forgiven. You can go ahead and play. It'll make me sound a whole lot more spiritual than I am if soft music is playing behind me. He says, your sins are forgiven to get to the root of the issue. I love when he says that because as soon as he says that, the Pharisees, the haters, the religious people in the room, they thought to themselves, they said, huh, he's blaspheming. Who but God alone can forgive sins? That's who he was. He was God. So much God, he responded not to their words, but to their thoughts. They didn't even say it. They thought it. He goes, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this man, your sins are forgiven. Or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. He says, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Come on, church. Can we pause right there and thank God that we serve a God that has all authority? Come on. You can stop stressing about whatever you're stressing about. Come on. How many know it's not making God nervous? He put the world together. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and the last. Come on, somebody. He is the beginning and the end. Heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. Come on. Your God does not have an inferiority complex. He has all power all authority in his hand he has authority he says so that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins he looks at the man and says i tell you get up somebody say get up oh come on say it like you got some power say get up oh come on say it like you believe in something in your life to get up come on say get up come on say it like you got some faith and authority say get up that Jesus told this man to get up he didn't say I'm going to do a six week series on how you might get up he didn't even ask for a prayer team to get around him he said no not for this miracle he said for this miracle I'm just giving you a word and you got to activate your faith and respond to the word that you heard come on some of you came here tonight to get those two words get up there's a new place God wants to take you to get up your calling is too high for you to live that low come on somebody say get up Somebody shout, get up! Get up from fear! Get up from worry! Get up from depression! Get up from anxiety! Get up from low self-esteem! Come on, somebody shout, get up! up. 
a sudden, the man's legs start tingling. He gets up. I imagine the entire place erupted in giving God praise because he who was down was now up. You can play something just real soft, just real soft about the worship in a moment. And I love Jesus because Jesus isn't just powerful. He's practical. Because if it was me and I was doing a miracle, I would have stopped there, get up and drop the mic and walked out of the room <laughs> said, I told you I'm the one. I told you. Jesus didn't stop it, get up. He says, get up. Then he tells him a commandment. Hear me. That when I first read it, made me laugh out loud. He says, get up. He says, oh, and take your mat. <laughs> that man had to be thinking, oh, no, Jesus, I'm good. You know how long I had to lay on that mat? No, I'm, no, 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 you're not good. Take your mat. Why do I have to carry this mat around? Because I don't want you to ever forget that you used to be down on the ground. Come on, somebody. Sometimes when God raises people up, if you're not careful, you'll get anointed amnesia and you'll forget where you should have been and where you could have been if it had not been for the grace of God in your life. Come on, your mat is your testimony of God's goodness, of where he brought you from. Come on, is there anybody in this church that says, I got a mat. I know where I could be if God hadn't showed up in my life. Come on, I got a mat. I was blind, but now I see. I got a mat. I was addicted, but now I'm set free. Tell somebody, don't forget your mat. That's what the world wants to see. They want to see you carrying the thing you used to be relying on. He says, take your mat. Last thing he tells them is go home. Go home. You think it's possible and plausible if he told this man to go home? This man could have had a wife. I think it's possible he could have had some kids. And I can see this man walking to his house for the very first time. That's how you walk when you just got your legs. I can see him knocking on the door of his house. I can see maybe his kids coming to the front door going, Dad, Dad, I, I can't believe it, Dad. You, you, you're walking. Mama, come see. Dad, he's here. He's, he's standing. He's walking. And Mama, she's in the kitchen and she's cooking. And she's like, boy, quit that lying. You're always making up stories. You're making up stories at school the other day. Your daddy is not out there walking. No, Mama, come see. Stops cooking. Comes to the front door. Sees her husband standing there for the first time. I imagine tears begin to flow down her face. And just maybe in that moment, he looks at her and says, Sweetheart, you can't even see the real miracle. The real miracle is not just that my legs have been healed, which I'm thankful for. He said, but the real miracle is that my sins have been washed away. He dealt with the thing that nobody else could deal with. I got so much more than what I came for. I thought I was coming for my legs because I thought the legs were the problem. Just like the other man. Ah! Had a dislocated soul and that was affecting everything else. On this first night, leave God wants to get to the root of some issues so that healing can take place. Hear me, I'm a, told you I'm a church kid. And I found it's real easy for church people to come in environments like this and shout and jump and scream over broken places that are on the inside if we haven't allowed God to come in and heal. But I heard so clearly from the Holy Spirit that on this first night, God wants to do a deep surgery and get to the root of the issue so you can get up and walk in all that he has for you. I'm going to ask every head be bowed. Every eye be closed in this place. Holy Spirit, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the ability to come in God's house and laugh and have a good time. God, tonight, don't let us laugh and shout and clap and walk out broken. Jesus, on this first night of three transformative days, we want you to get to the root of the issue so that we can be whole 
and walk in all that you have for us. With heads bowed, eyes closed all over this place tonight. If you're here today and you say, you know what, there's some things or something at the root of the issue that I haven't surrendered to Jesus. And tonight, tonight, I'm just going to give it to him. I don't know what that thing is. I'm believing that as I'm speaking right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. For somebody, it could be unforgiveness. It could be bitterness. You've been holding towards somebody saying, I'll never forgive them for what they did. And it's not holding them down. It's holding you down. God's saying tonight, would you let me get to the root of the issue so you can get up and walk in all that I have for you? Heads about eyes are closed. But if you're here tonight and you say, you know what? I know what that thing is. That's at the root. And tonight, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm just going to surrender it to him, to Jesus. That's you. Would you just lift up your hand all over this place and I say, that's me. I know what it is. I know what it is. And tonight, I'm going, wow, hands are going up all over this place, all over this place. Anybody else? Anybody else? Say, that's me. That's me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just You can lift it up and put it right back down. Thank you. If you're here tonight, and I want to be real specific, and you've never taken that first step, would you say, Jesus, my life is yours. For somebody, the thing that's at the root is just you need to surrender your life to him. And tonight on this first night, you're saying, God, I'm tired of doing life on my own. Tonight, I'm giving all that I am to you, to you. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand right where you are? I want to include you in this prayer. Yeah. See those hands. Hallelujah. I want to do something in here tonight that I believe is really going to set the course this entire week. When I count to three, if you lifted up your hand or you should have lifted up your hand for either one of those saying, I know what that thing is. It's at the root. And tonight I'm surrendering it or saying, I'm giving my life to him. When I count to three, I just want you to get out of your seat and get as close to this altar as you can. Don't worry about what somebody else is going to think. Come on, this is between you and God. That man might have cared what somebody thought when he came through that roof, but he didn't care when he walked out of their hole carrying his mat. Come on, this is about God getting to the root of that issue. If you lifted up your hand or you should have, when I count to three, I want you to come and the worship is going to lead us and we're just going to allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in this place. One, come on, this is your moment. Two, come on, this is to empower you. Three, would you come? If you lifted up your hand or you should have, I want you to come. I want you to come. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Just get as close to this altar as you can. Hallelujah, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. If you would like to know more about Our Father's House and upcoming events, log on to ourfathershouseky.org.